This is the Disciple Makers Podcast by Discipleship.org. You're listening to Season 7, and every week this season, we'll bring you content about making disciples. Discipleship.org brings together other like-minded organizations who are all focused on making disciples. Our goal is to help you become a Jesus-style disciple maker. The track session you're about to hear today is about making disciples in college, which means getting creative. Well, Bobby Harrington, point leader for Discipleship.org, has co-authored a book with Alex Absalom called Discipleship That Fits, and this book helps frame creative expressions by anchoring them in the five major contexts of discipleship. So Discipleship.org partnered with Zondervan to release a free sampler of this book that you can download. Understand discipleship in the major context, from our personal walk with Christ to the crowds. Download this for free at discipleship.org slash ebooks and look for Discipleship That Fits. That's discipleship.org slash ebooks and look for the sampler for Discipleship That Fits. Today we're featuring an episode from Resonate Church called Cultivating College Seniors to Make Disciples in the Marketplace, featuring Brian N. Fry. Enjoy. Okay, well, we're going to get after it. I'm going to paint some big picture stuff real quick out the shoot. So we're cultivating college seniors. And really, when you're talking about seniors, you're talking about everybody because, I mean, it's just a matter of time before college student gets to a place where they're senior, hopefully, unless they have issues along the way. So um, what I'm going to introduce you to is a concept called go-to. Hopefully, by the end of the time, as we've processed through, you guys get the idea behind it. I shared in the last session that we were on that so much of what we do today when it comes to college ministry is focused on the freshman, sophomore, junior, and senior year, but there's not a lot of focus after that. So what I'm going to present is a case for idea, a model to disciple the students well in this window, but with the goal of sending them out into the workforce to be fruit-bearing, excuse me, we'll go fruit-bearing, multiplying disciple, all right? I, when we have a teacher in the audience, so I feel bad. I just totally messed up uh, how to write letters. Right? Yeah, okay, I got you. So we're trying to create fruit-bearing, multiplying disciples. So the argument that I'm going to work from in this whole idea is that what we need to do as college ministers is not focus on just college students where they are today and discipling them in their understanding where they are today, but we need to disciple them in a, in a mindset and a goal of sending them to a destination so that once they leave college, they get in the marketplace, that they're a fruit-bearing, multiplying disciple, and they can leverage their platform to see people come to know Christ. So uh, that's uh, that's what we're talking about there. I shared in the previous session as well um, as I uh, work you through this process. I started as a college student. I've gone through our pipeline in Southern Baptist life. I have been a local campus guy. I have been um, a staff member at a college ministry. I've been a staff member at a local church. I've done college ministry there. I've been a local Baptist Collegiate Ministry Director. I've been a state collegiate director, and I was a national collegiate director until September 30th of this year, and I left to go be a part of a collegiate church out of Washington State University called Resonate. So um, not to worry, I have three job offers currently. Um, I have to make a decision on Monday, no pressure for us, but uh, everybody in the family is excited to eat, so uh, hopefully we'll get, we'll get things squared away here pretty soon. I'm going to leave this view uh, big like this and, and let you see kind of notes in there just because I'm going to toggle back and forth between a couple of three things. So uh, 
this, the book, if you've not read Steve Letts' book, College Ministry and Post-Christian Culture, I would encourage you to take a look at it. It's very messiologically minded, very sound. One of the parts of the book, he talks about why the college campus is the most strategic mission field in the world. So you think about who gets onto the college campus, top 3% academically globally. I just need to pause and think about that for a second. Only 3% of the world gets to go to college, right? I mean, it's, or the, I guess the, maybe to say it a better way, more accurate way, uh, only the top 3% get onto that college campus. So if you've been to college, you're, a, you're pretty much in an elite of elite categorization already. So you've got academically top 3% that are there. Um, they are there during and when they, when they are there, they're there during a, the second most important time of human development. It's that 18 to 25 year bracket. So zero to five is your most important time in terms of personality formation and growth and learning. But then that, uh, they call it early adulthood, that 18 to 25 bracket, second most important time. So uh, another book I strongly recommend is called The Defining Decade by Meg Jay. She's a secular psychologist. Uh, she explains that bef- between the ages of 18 and 35, that you will make the eight, you will have made eight of the 10 most important decisions about the trajectory of your life in that window. So if you're outside of that window, I'm terribly sorry. You've made almost all your key decisions, right? If you're in that time, you know, listen up, right? But her argument is that the world around us tells us that the 30s are the new 20s. And she very, very strongly says, no, no, no. The decisions you make in your 20s are going to change the trajectory of your life. So it's, it's where they are, or it's who they are, it's when, uh, it's when they are, but then also where they are. When you think about the college campus, it is the hub of innovation and learning. You have these people coming in who are incredibly moldable, incredibly malleable, and then you have this the people who are there academically. When you start talking about master's level and a PhD, the most elite of the elite, and then you think about what comes out of there in terms of MBA and business school, people who get law degrees. That, that place, that college campus, well, Bill Bright would say you win the campus, you win the world. Another way to, the founder of Campus Crusade crew, but another way to look at it is, as the college campus goes today, whatever f- uh, philosophical ideas and streams that are there, that's what we're looking at for the next five decades, for the next five, six, seven uh, decades in the process. So if you win the college campus today, you win generations in the future. And if you don't win that campus, well, you're, you're missing your prime opportunity for people to, to hear and, and understand, embrace the gospel. So how did they get there, people on the campus? Uh, they were given the opportunity to be there. So they have some kind of blend of they know how to work hard, they have financial resources there, or somebody is getting them there. So anybody who gets on that campus, there's just a lot of things working for them. And then the reality is that college students as a whole, they are the most mobile, the most malleable, and the most movemental block of people on the planet. So if I'm talking with a group of pastors, senior leaders in churches, churches who are like, you know, why do we want to hang out with college students? Because they're so flaky. They don't stick around. They're, and, and the reality is they're, they're your most, if not the most, one of the most strategic people groups in the world to reach because they're going to go everywhere. They're in the time between the families and they get to this one place. So it's this, uh, it's this great aggregator for four years that changes trajectory of their life and then scatters them everywhere. So if, if we want to see the future change for the better, you got to reach college students on the college campus. So just for numbers sake, see where we are. You got about 22.7 million college students in the U.S. and Canada. Um, a, one million of those are up in Canada. Uh, you've got about 300,000 that are involved in campus ministry 
on some kind of level. So we, we're not doing well numerically in terms of engagement. Um, just as an FYI, uh, the, the majority of college students in the U.S. and Canada, you see Purdue right there for the Boilermakers in the audience, um, are on those 403 largest campuses. So a vast majority of residential students, actually of, of the residential students, uh, which are about half of that number that I gave you, so about 11 million, uh, about 70% are on those 400 campuses. So if you want to plant churches or do new stuff or see people come to know Christ and you want to reach the, the people groups of the world, those 400 campuses are prime targets for what we're doing. Okay, so I'm going to move into a little bit of a Q&A time in uh, our presentation now. So here's my first question. Um, if you're jotting notes, if you just write this down, uh, what are two of your favorite memories from college, okay? So I just you don't have to overthink it now. Just write them down or kind of get them locked in your mind here for a second. So what are your two favorite memories from college? Just something you remember that was really cool, okay? And I'm going to ask you to pair and share in just a second. So it's pretty important that you at least jot. You didn't, you didn't go to college? All right. So... Uh, will, will you will you be a listener in the process? All right, that's, that's good. All right, sounds great. And then next question is, what were your two defining moments during college, and specifically from the spiritual perspective? Yeah, you might, but so you guys can't partner. That's what it's going to have to be. So, two of your favorite memories from college. And then what were your two defining moments? What were, and then maybe if you could put when, uh, was it was it your freshman, sophomore, was it junior, senior, when those were? Okay, you guys got them? Does have to be mutually exclusive? No, they don't at all. They don't at all. Okay, I, I just I want you to think about your college years. Way, way, way back in your college years. Yeah. Way back. Way back. So long. Okay. It's good. It's good. Okay, next question. I, got, I only have six. So here, next one. When are college students most open to the gospel, in your humble opinion, or your expert opinion, maybe it'd be a better way to say that. Like what year? What year, what time, what month. If you have a day, you can put that on there. But in that four-year block, when are college students most open to the gospel? Okay. So next question, question number four. What are, and I'm just looking for one or two ideas. What are the best, most simple ways to accelerate gospel students in their faith and in discipleship? Like what, what, do you, what do you need to do? If we're trying to see people become fruit-bearing, multiplying disciples, what can we do to them? What can we do for them that will accelerate them in the disciple-making process? We're going through a list of six questions right now. Sorry. No, you're good. I just wanted you to know what's coming at you. Thank All right. You. So if you can write down your ideas to these thoughts, it'll be important here in just a moment. Okay. okay? So again, I'm just going to skip back to those real quick. So first question, what are your two favorite memories from college? Second question, what were your two defining moments, spiritually speaking, during college? Okay. Again, you don't have to overthink them, just whatever comes to top of mind. Next question, when are college students most open to the gospel? You can put a day on the calendar, you can put a season, you can put a cycle. Question number four, what are the best or most simple ways to accelerate gospel uh, students? in their faith and discipleship to accelerate them in the gospel. And here are the last two questions. What do college students normally do with their breaks and summers? And I'm not just talking about the ones that are involved in your ministry, but what is the 
average college student do with their spring break, winter break, summer break? What do they do with that time? And then the last question is this. What vision and preparation do churches and ministries give college students for after graduation? So I want you to think, you, when you were a college student, when you were the, what was your church telling you to do, your ministry you were part of? What were they saying? Hey, once you graduate from college, you should go do this. Or here's the opportunity, here's the idea. What, what kind of script were they giving you in that most malleable, most movemental time of your life? What, yeah. what are the best, most simple ways to accelerate college students in their faith and discipleship? So not, not looking for rocket science kind of stuff. You know, like uh, I would do, you know, 18 things to get them there. But what, what are just the basic things yeah. that you say, hey, if we do these things, we'll move them forward. Great. Okay. All right. So here's what I'd like to do. I want to take some time and let you guys just process this. Uh, I want to move from a, a passive learning where you're listening to me process to an active learning time. So you guys are processing together. So can I, since you guys are from the same context, can I put you two together and can I put you two together? And would you guys just share great. those things real quickly in the process? Yeah. It'd be super great. Okay. So let me, uh, let me go ahead and ask you guys, um, in, any of the questions, uh, in, anything you want to, from the first two slides, anything you want to, uh, are the first two sets of questions, anything that really stood out to you there, two favorite moments of college? When did that happen for you guys? What, what year were those favorite moments? Okay. When, what were your favorite moments? When were they? Mm, both of them had to do with like friends, the community okay. that I had okay. my experience in college. When did it happen? Oh, um, my freshman year and my sophomore year. Okay. Yeah, mine was community-based also. Okay. Uh, sophomore year. Okay. Uh, yeah, like freshman year, I got to start on a D1 rugby team, like right wow. out of high school. So yeah. that was like one of my favorite memories, was yeah. like just walking out of a pitch that first home game. Um, and then the other one was actually at the end of my sophomore year going into junior year, I volunteered as a cook in a Young Life kitchen for a month. So I got to like go out to California and, you know, be with like an awesome group of people for extended That's really cool. Would you, would you guys be surprised to know that um, executives, so there there's all kinds of leadership books that talk just about executive leadership and how they developed in their thinking. Would it surprise you to know that the majority of senior level executives, when you ask them, hey, when was the most important time? I want you to think about one of your favorite memories from college. Would it surprise you to know that typically it was during freshman year and typically it was during the first few months on campus? And, and it, you, you ask that question more and more. You, in fact, you can ask this question to anyone. Hey, when was the time in life where you were growing most spiritually, where you feel like you took the biggest leaps? And almost always, I mean, it's like 95% of the time for people who've gone to college, they'll say something during their college, if they were a believer during college or preceding college. So, uh, and, if, and if you ask them, hey, when, when was the time that you made the biggest decision? Often they will talk about that, that college experience, and they will almost always point to the freshman year. So um, this kind of goes to what we were talking about earlier, the most, that's that most movemental time, that most key time. But whether people are believers or not, they still point back to those college years that were most seminal to me. So um, now while this may not always be the case, what we have found consistently is that not necessarily conversions, but if we're thinking freshman, sophomore, junior, senior year, receptivity to the gospel uh, to newness 
super high during freshman year. And really, I, that looks like to the end of the freshman year, it's really about the first 15 days, first 30 days on campus. And then after that, it just kind of continues to go down to a slide. And that's not to say that people don't come to know Christ at any point along this. But receptivity and openness is at its apex right during those first few weeks on campus. So here's a call to you at a disciple-making conference. Uh, you got to do whatever it takes to get on that campus. On that, for the first, You could say for the first 30 days, that feels more like a marathon than it does a sprint. But for the first 10 days, you got to be on that campus making as many possible relationships as possible. And that's obviously like kind of the fall semester. A fall semester. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you can do the same kind of thing with transfer students and that type of stuff. Yeah. But for you to bring college students in, your, especially your leaders, a week ahead of time, three days ahead of time, you refresh them on sharing the gospel. You refresh them on servant leadership. You get on that campus. You meet as many people as possible. Give out your phone number, help, meet parents, whoever it is. But it is that one time in life for college students where everybody Everybody, they're brand stinking spanking new on that campus. Yeah. And everybody's looking for community and everybody's looking for relationships. So for you to jump on that right at the beginning, everything we're going to talk about sending here in just a minute, it really comes down to you guys being really good at engaging people early on. If you miss this window, you you pretty much you lose a year of your ministry right off the right off the bat, right out of the shoot. Okay. So it's a key thing there. Let me ask on this uh, this next one. Um, what, what did you guys put for number four? What are most helpful in accelerating students in their faith? A couple of things, just thoughts. I said, like, I think the one thing that I really missed, like, that I missed and that, like, was, I don't want to say, like, the sole reason, but a big reason why I struggled with my faith in college was accountability. Okay. Like, really one-on-one, like, true discipleship. Okay. So discipleship, like, personal discipleship is key? Yeah. Okay. Anybody else? When you think about accelerating college students in their faith and discipleship. I would just say getting them around a table with a loving community. So life, life on life kind of together being yeah. there. Okay. Anything else? Yeah, I think a lot of people we get from our students is just like their, the accessibility of our staff to them and to not like idolize this one-on-one, like if you're not meeting with a church staff, mm. you're like not really a disciple, yeah. you're not really learning or growing, yeah. but for us to just be like around and to even for them to be able to do life with us. Like, am I inviting students into my home to come have dinner mm. with my roommates? Um, am I taking them on a walk with my dog? But also to like get them to do that with their friends also. All right. I think is important. That's good. Okay. Did you want to chime in? Any thoughts? I mean, I would echo whatever I said, but like just getting them involved early mm-hmm. and like following up with them mm-hmm. and not just assuming that they're going to so in every response you gave, there's a common denominator to each one of them, a, a common element to each one of those things. So I have a very specific answer. I don't want to be that guy who acts awkwardly. Do you guys know what it is? And then I know the answer. And you guys are like, oh, we got to fish for this thing. <laughs> so do, do you guys want me to just give it to you? You want to shoot? You want to try to guess? Is it something that we said? It's, it's, is it one word? It's one word. It's a four-letter word. It starts with a T and ends and an E and has an I and an N and an M in the middle. Oh, Time. Time. <laughs> Yeah, time, time. I had you a four-letter word, right? You're like, what's he guys going to say? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, Strike. Uh, It's not a bad, it's not love. What could it be? Let's go so fast. What is he saying? So the common common element in in accelerating people in disciple making is time. Mm -hmm. So when you think about doing stuff with students and you think about, you were talking about senior exit, which I would love for you to share about in a moment. Um, When we're sending people out, 
what we, when we send them out to college, after college, really the, the impact is a culmination of the time we've spent with them and, and what we've spent time with them doing and inviting them to, okay? So I'm going to make the argument that time that you spend, you're like, man, I got to spend three hours a day with these people. I mean, like, what are you talking? I think punctuated time is a very helpful thing, right? I mean, you look at Jesus's life. He, he did life on life. He spent time, but there were times when he's, he was hanging out with the dudes. And then there was time that he was hanging out by himself. So please don't feel like you have to have somebody in your world 24-7, right? Um, at the same time, I want to argue that in addition to a regular, uh, punctuated, rhythmic thing that you're doing with students, um, and, and frankly, it's just, it's not all about what you do with that time. It doesn't have to be, we're studying scripture, memorizing Bible together, working through theological treaties. You don't have to do that kind of thing. Um, it's time spent. And also, while we would say regular inter- intervention or regular intervals is good, a uh, going on a trip with them, if you think about what you do in terms of a semester of meeting, if you're just meeting once a week, so if you're all things being equal, typical semester is about 15 weeks, and you have them in a one-on-one discipleship time with you for an hour, and then you have them in some kind of life group or small group or village or whatever you call them, you have them in an, in an hour. So over the course of the semester, how many hours are you spending with that student? But just do the math for me. 15 weeks, you got one hour in, the, in discipleship and one hour in small group. How many? 30 hours, okay. You take somebody on a trip, even for, for a weekend, how many hours are you doing? 48. And if we just really slim it down, cut out all sleeping time, it's 40, right? So, I mean, it gets to that kind of thing. But it's not just you're going on this trip and you're doing one-on-one how it's done kind of thinking. You're going on that trip and it's now a group of people who are going on a destination together, right? And it doesn't matter if it's a mission trip or if it's an overnight or a rafting trip or whatever, you are doing life on life. You're doing community in those times. So uh, if, if you walk out of here hearing me say one thing today, think always in terms of the brief moment and the more extended moment. Because this is what we're really doing as college ministry leaders is we're creating moments for college students to encounter God. So doing both of those things. So on a regular basis kind of moments, and then moments where we all have a, ca- a collective moment together. Super valuable, super important. So I want to show you a video that one of our churches, the church that I'm a part of, what they showed to invite college students to do summer projects with them. So I hope you're seeing, I'm highly biased with summer projects. I'm highly biased with going away with a group of people to do things together. Because what what trips do is they take a moment and they take a memory and they amplify it. And then they tattoo it. I mean, that's basically it. If I ask you, hey, what mission trips did you go on? Typically, you can tell me where you went, who you went with, what happened there, You're like your big moment. If I say, hey, man, tell me about your, your Bible study for that semester, you're like, we read Joel or Isaiah or what was that? So these moments on mission trips matter. So I want you to just watch this in, in light of the, the conversation we've been having. So here's, uh, here's what Resonate has done. So this is a church that I'm part of. Yeah, would you mind? Yeah, absolutely. So we have... Um, We've begun to, and, and I say resonate, there's a, a concept, um, there is a concept, a website called www.go2years.net. Sorry for my hieroglyph, go2years.net. So here's, here's what we began to observe. I'm a part of a group of churches that have, um, there were about a dozen of us in 2008, 
There are now 129 of us. Uh, we went from about 2,000 people involved in, uh, in this group of churches. They're not all one, one church. They're not all just one tribe. They're kind of an amalgam of tribes. Uh, what we realized, uh, we've gone from 12 with 2,000 people to um, there are 129 with 25,000 folks who are part of it. So there are uh, churches like uh, Resonate at Washington State, Grace Point at UC Berkeley, um, Salt, actually it's called Cornerstone, but we'll just call them Salt Network in Iowa. And then there are the H2O guys who are in Ohio. And then there's Summit, if you've heard J.D. Greer gaining by losing, uh, Summit folks in North Carolina. And so this group, and then about another 10 more, uh, we looked at what they were doing and how they were able to make disciples and plant churches. I mean, th- these have really great conversion rates of, of folks. I mean, like they're seeing people come to know Christ, moving them through their disciple-making processes. And we said, okay, what is it that is common about them? What are they doing? And basically, all of these groups are asking students to give two years post-college to make disciples and invest in the next generation. So it's the go-to concept. So what they're doing with the students, you know, you can't just walk up to a senior and say, hey, will you give your first two years after college to go plant churches on a new campus or go, go to a new city and plant new things. What you've got to do in that process is you, you begin to build in them a missional mindset and DNA. So in addition to that idea of we're helping people study the scriptures together, we're doing life on life with them in, uh, in small group environments, they have taken the idea of trips and they have captured it. So here's what they do. So that first 10 days on campus, they are crazy engaged in the week of welcome. So it does not matter what campus on. Grace Point, they free, feed Korean barbecue to thousands of students, right? Resonate, they are, they're doing everything they can to help the university do setup and tear down for stuff on the campus. They're allowing them to use their equipment and screens and everything to do video processes, that type of stuff. Um, at Summit, one of my favorite stories, the, the guy who leads their college ministry was like, okay, how are we going to connect with as many students as possible? And one girl said, it's puppies and it's popsicles. So they met people, they got puppies from people in their church and they just walked them around the campus and handed out popsicles to folks. And they met a ton of people. And you say, oh, that's so ineffectual. Why would anybody do anything like that? Well, it's, it's all fun and games until the next year. They're asking, hey, how did you get connected? Oh, I, somebody brought up a puppy and talked with me. And um, somebody who was a non-believer and who I was a believer and who's a leader in their system, it was puppies and popsicles that was our connection. So this week of welcome time, they'll do small group kind of things where they're just having a group um, meal with 10 or 15 people all hanging out together. Or they could do a large group thing where they're doing a dodgeball tournament or you know they're putting out plastic and putting water on it and uh, soap suds and doing big slip and slide kind of things. But all of these are working their tails off to connect with as many students as possible during those first 10 days or first 30 days. So the next thing that they do, once they get them into the system and are making connection with them, they ask them to go on a trip. So typically that's a fall break or a freshman retreat or spring break kind of thing. So each year, and so I'm going to build this thing out, what they're trying to do, in addition to their weekly discipleship routine, their typical rhythm, they're sending them on short-term breaks. So this is, I'm representing here, the spring breaks. And then S1, S2, S3 are summers. 
So they're asking them to go on these short-term excursions, two days to five days. Then they're asking them to give their summers. Typically, a summer is uh, 10 to 12 weeks. They'll ask them to do one in North America. They'll ask them to do one internationally. What do you think they're asking them to do here? They're asking them to do an internship. And it can be either here or it can be here or it can be in one of these places that they've gone before. Does that make sense? When they start their senior year in August, and I'm, I'm going to just keep writing on all over everything here. In, actually, in September, they're having a senior conversation. And there's a script for this and a template. If you go, if you go to the two years, go two years.net, it's there. In that conversation, in the senior year, where typically most college students are getting ready to check out and go find jobs any, any some other place anyway, they're saying they're having an ICNU statement with those students saying, listen, you have been a part of our ministry. We've seen you do great stuff. And they'll kind of give a recount. They'll give a, hey, what we see in you. And then they'll make an ask on them and say, we would like you to continue to do what you do in a specific place. And in that senior conversation, they point back to the idea of them going to North America City that they've been to or an international destination they've been to or the place where they did their internship or one of these places where they have partners already developed and say, we want to ask you to go back there for two years, not become a staff member at that church, not to become a support-based missionary but whatever you do best, so you're an engineer, you're a rocket scientist, you're a school teacher, whatever you're passionate about, will you go to that place and will you give your first two years in that location, education, medicine, uh, law, business, whatever it is, to make disciples who make disciples, okay? So that, that is the concept. All this 90-day box is, is we're trying to help them make the leap from here to the location. Now, you say, Okay, Fry, we can ask people to go to these places, but then, man, who, who, who are going to be there to greet them? Well, there's a process here to, to do assimilation with them when they get on the ground. Never want to abbreviate assimilation, by the way. Assimilation. Okay, okay. It's, it's in Fry language. Okay, so we're going to spend time assimilating them. So the pastor or the planter, or the leader of the church, uh, knows the assimilation process and are working, working, working with them. And also people in the marketplace who are believers, who are not doing full-time vocational ministry, they're there to help them get jobs, to help them get connected in to the environment. Okay? So that is the big picture. That's the big idea. I'm going to tell you some stories here in just a minute, but I want you to give me feedback on this hodgepodge mess of stuff that I just put here. Does this make sense? And if it makes sense, what questions, what feedback do you have to it? Okay. Makes sense. Okay. Uh, are there like specific locations that you feel people go most likely to? All right. So here's what we would say to are you are you asking like programmatically for me as a strategist where I would send them or are we saying no, like in general? Just, like, are there like specific locations that people are always trying to flock to? Yes. So there are cities like Nashville that a lot of people would go to. Mm hmm Major cities. But uh, really the destination that we would send them to is based on the college leader. So 
you developing relationships with people in places that you know well, and frankly, not a ministry where they're going to go into and you know they're going to kind of sit on them and the student's going to languish, but places where they're growing, they have fruit-bearing, multiplying, disciple-making systems in place. So I would say to you guys, you are out of your mind if you're going on a mission trip to some place where you're just going to do a service project and you're bringing them back and it's like no change on them. You need to take them to places where you know people or you have relationship where they are just as passionate about seeing your students grow as you are seeing them grow. And if they're there and they're saying, hey, I want your students to come hang out. I mean, when they graduate, send them to me. That's the kind of people that you want. But not the kind of people who say, send them to me because we need this job done. We need this job done. We need this job. You don't you want to run away from those kind of people. What you want them to say is, you know, we're thinking about starting this new thing, this new plant, this new. If they're thinking about reproducing themselves and they're thinking about starting new things in new places, so a multiplication mindset then that typically means your students are going to get into a place where if you've cultivated them in disciple-making, that they're going to land in a spot where they're doing disciple-making too. Does that make sense? So you're talking about a similar language. You're thinking the same kind of ways. It's not like I'm just going to scroll through a catalog of places and think, oh, I like uh, the city of uh, Honolulu, so we're going to go there. I mean, you're going to need to go do a pre-trip there, spend time there, figure them out, make sure that you buy into what they're doing, check their references, all that stuff. But at the end of the day, you're making an ask on your students at the beginning of the senior year. And then, actually, I said in September, you make that, have that conversation. But, and, and at this point in time, you're making an ask. But in December, you go back and you ask for the commit. Does that make sense? So they say, you make the ask, they say commit. And during the spring, you're training them in a process like a senior exit, or uh, someone has a developmental plan as well, where you're helping them transition, helping them prepare for the transition from college to marketplace. I, you're going to say something. I cut you off. Oh, um, I guess I, the only thing that, like, I guess my hangup would be. Yeah. I, I would love, you know, would have loved to go to all those places and maybe land in like a Salt Lake City or an uh, LA or something. But like Buffalo, New York isn't necessarily a tourist attraction. It sure is not. Or a destination by any means. In the winter. True. Summer. Niagara's close, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's pretty. Yeah. Um, my point there being, like, what we find that works in our ministries doesn't necessarily work in other areas of the world. Mm. So, like, buying into something like this would be difficult for me, just yep. knowing, and I don't want to, like, put anything down, because like, I haven't tried Sure, it, sure. I'm not trying to yeah. be like, it won't work. But my point here is just that, like, we've tried a ton of stuff, and, like, what works in other areas doesn't always stick, just because it's such yeah. a familial town. Like, quite honestly, Catholicism is huge in Buffalo, New York. So, like, getting people out of that mindset mm. is, a, is a battle on its own. Um, and then kind of trying to bridge that whole gap of, like, hey, you're going to stay in Buffalo, and you want to be... Because, we, you know, we baptize people, and then they move they to skate. where the jobs are. You know, yep. Like, 2008 was a horrible time for our church, just because we don't have a huge infrastructure. So they had to go where they could make a living. Like, that's not best for them spiritually, or, you know, just as people to stay in an area uh, if they can't support their families or things like that. So uh, I guess that was that's, like, my concern. Yep. So here's, here's response on this. It is not so much asking them to stay right. or asking them to go because they're going to do one or the other, right? right. I mean, they're, they're, either they'll stay in your ministry or they're going to go somewhere else. Right. 
the key to this whole process is the direction. And the argument is every college student out there is typically going to make decisions on where they go post-college based on two things. They're going to base it on mom or they're going to base it on Now, mom may be family, right? I mean, you know, dad yeah, could have yeah. some. But those, those are the two factors. Yeah. So all we're trying to do is say, hey, we, we want you to listen to your parents. We want you to be in a good relationship with family as much as possible. And, hey, listen, we want you to make money. Don't be a drain on society. Food stamps are only good for so long. I've taken them before. But we want you to make decisions based on mission. So where you go post-college, what you do post-college, we want you to make that decision, not asking, hey, how much money can I make or how close can I get to my family? But where do I see God's activity and how can I join him in that place? Does that make sense? And you're not asking them for the rest of their lives. That's a pretty tall ask. Right. All you're asking for is two years. Now, you say the dirty side of that formula is you know what happens after two years. If they go and they build relationship and community, they find somebody of the opposite sex that they really like and they want, I mean, things can happen, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But if you ask that, that two-year piece, you say, hey, come do this thing for two years. And you're not just saying go there by yourself. You're saying go back to one of the destinations you've been to before. If they've spent a summer there as a student, they've, they've raised support to be there as a missionary, and then they've got an internship in that city post-college, whether it's internationally or North America. And you're not just asking them to go by themselves to that place. You're asking them to go with their friends. So now you're going with a group of people to that new place, continuing to do the same kinds of things. Okay? But these, like, breaks, like, some, yeah. not, well, like spring break or yep. fall break, um, when they're going somewhere, are they going, I mean, I guess it depends, but is the thought that they're going to serve or they're just going to, like, be in community with yeah. each other? Or, like, how do you get the campus leader connection there if they're just going for, like, quote-unquote fun? Yeah. So um, I would absolutely have them go to a place for fun or for service or for whatever, uh, as long as there's, there's some kind of gospel. I mean, it, it's got to be gospel-centric on some level in some way. Um, and and I'm, I'm all for taking somebody who doesn't know Jesus on one of those trips as well. And even if you're going out and sharing the gospel on campus, take them with you, right? And let them, we don't want to hide anything. We want to show them everything. What I would say, though, is when you pick those locations to go, <clears throat> You're trying to engage people who are engaging the cities missiologically. So if they're a part of a church, they're a part of a ministry. Um, uh, in Columbus, Ohio, there's a ministry called She Has a Name. So they're trying to bring people uh, out, of, out of sexual darkness and bring them into a place um, where they can live and produce uh, on, on their own in terms of their income and, and that type of stuff. So going into Columbus, Ohio and working with that group, they're in that city. They're having experiences there. They're creating memories. You're helping them understand the city, and you want them to immerse in the city, like as deeply as possible. So, preferably not stay in a hotel, stay in a mission, hostel, some kind of hostel. So that would be like a serve. That would be a serve kind of thing. Um, so, like here's in, another example: SOS in Memphis, Service Over Self in Memphis, Tennessee. That is a ministry where they're trying to engage the city, and they're trying to um, bring uh, uh, both economic uh, gentrification and spiritual gentrification. Two areas. So to do those things, that would be a great, great scenario. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What would like an example of like a fun trip then where you can connect? So like, I was just thinking about like when we went on spring break, we stayed at a facility that our 
campus pastor was like, they know them well. Yeah. But like, it wasn't ever like, <clears throat> come to the camp. And yeah. Us. Yeah. So <clears throat> here is, uh, let me give you a couple different examples. So <clears throat> to go to uh, Casas por Cristo, that would, I guess is more of a service trip um, that's based in Juarez, Mexico. <clears throat> so you're going there, you're building a house in a week. Um, to do a, <clears throat> a scouting trip for something that you're going to do more in a long-term kind of way. So um, the church I'm a part of Resonate, uh, we will do spring break mission trips to campuses that we're going to start new stuff on. So we'll go, we'll do spiritual surveys on the campus. We'll try to meet as many people as we can. We'll typically do a couple parties, that kind of activity thing, play dodgeball, frisbee, that type of stuff. And then we'll typically do like a Friday night meal or that type of thing that we're, in there, that we're bringing people into. Uh, we've done the same thing around San Diego and, uh, and Tijuana as well. So we're going in there and we're being on those places. Um, so typically it is, it's more of a, on that type of trip, you're going in there and you're learning about the place and then you're having fun in the place. So if, but I'd encourage you, if you can bring gospel sharing into that process, it will be super helpful. Okay. All right, so we only have a few minutes left. I'm gonna let me. Uh, uh, okay, we got. No, I got it. <clears throat> so here, here's a clear image of the concept where you can read everything on it. Um, so this is North American Mission Board. This is their college mobilization strategy, uh, and you, I mean, you see all of the pieces there. Um, if you want to look at the website there, that's it. It's just go to years.net so you can get a little bit more intel that way as well. And you just asked a minute ago about the locations in the cities. So what we've done as the North American Mission Board, which I, again, have just left employ uh, here in the last uh, month or so, um, we've identified the 32 largest cities in North America, and we have kind of tried to plant churches in there to engage in what's taking place. Um, so some like hotbeds of where what I'm talking about is happening really well. I mean, extremely well. New Orleans, a guy named George Ross is killing, I mean, they probably had 50 people there this summer doing long-term projects, and then they had the spring break mission trips and that type of thing. Well, San Diego, a guy named Jeremy Ayetz there. Uh, Boston, which is the hub of the universe when it comes to college education. I mean, the hub, right? Uh, David Butler's there. I think, I, I, don't, I don't want to exaggerate any numbers, but I think over the last like 10 years, they've gone from having two church plants in uh, there I think they've got like 110, something like that. And, and college students, the groups from here are moving post-college to be a part of, of what's happening there. Okay, So I think I have another video story, but um, let me, I, so another story of one group leaving Summit, going from um, the Research Triangle to the University of Virginia to planting a church there as well. So uh, if you want anything that I've shared, if you need any information on that, if you just want to hit me at an email address, bfryatresonate.net. Um, and then the Resonate is the church that I'm a part of. I'd be happy to dialogue with you more, give you more in, intel on any of this stuff. Okay? All right. Do you guys have any questions, any follow-up as we're landing? All right. Will you share just briefly about senior exit? Sure. Um, I already have talking about it, so I guess you're really excited about it. Uh, one of our guys on staff this last year... Out of a book called, is it called It's called After College. After College, yeah, okay, great. Excellent yeah. book, by the way. Yeah, um, so we just started, it's like a once a month we do dinners with our, yeah, yeah, no, you're fine. Um, once a month we do dinners with anybody that's graduating within the next 
like year and a half because we have people that graduate in December and August and May and all at any time that they feel like it actually. <laughs> um, and so we just started it last year. We went November through May and then it was such a big hit. So each of those weeks has a different thing. It's like we do one about budget and we do one about like family boundaries and one about how like just all of these different things like when you get out of here, what are the tools that you're going to need? Um, when Because it's like, especially with our church, uh, 90, I don't know, 99.5% of them are undergraduate students. Mm -hmm. And so for two to four years, they've been going to this church that's like more or less 100% about them. And then they get out of, and it's like very much catered to their specific demographic. Yeah, yeah. That's because we can do that. But then they get out and they're like back in a multi-generational church that's maybe really traditional or maybe like really entertainment focused or something. And then they're like, what is this? I don't know what's yeah, going on. Yeah, it's totally so, different. And then they don't know how to like use the rest of their life for the gospel and like for Jesus. And so um, we're, again, we're only in our second year, but it's all based off of this book, which is awesome. Yeah. Um, Great. And yeah, it's, super, it's super cool. Erica Young. Erica Young, Young writes. So she created the senior exit concept. Um, it was part of her graduate. She did a, a thesis on it. Really, really good stuff. Um, another book I would strongly recommend you if you are tell, talking to anybody about what they're doing post-college, Defining Decade by Meg Jay. And there is a TED Talk with it as well that she's done. If you are in your 20s, you know somebody in your 20s, so she'd say all this, know somebody in your 20s, you're worrying about people in their 20s, you, you need to read that book. Cool. Phenomenal. She's a psychologist you're talking about. <clears throat> she is, yeah. Um, yeah, we try to get her on a collegiate collective podcast, but I think we're not in the same mind of thinking. Um, so another another resource, uh, collegiatecollective.com, has about 700 pieces of content. Actually, Erica is a contributor to it, um, podcast videos, all kinds of stuff on there. Okay? Is that, okay. Collegiate it is. Yeah, we, we ran it for about five years. So we looked at best practitioners around the country, whatever their best practices was, or uh, we try to get just-in-time ideas and resources to college leaders. So, again, video, podcasts, all kinds of different things. But really, how do we advance and accelerate the gospel on the campus, what Collegiate Collective is? That is correct. It is Collegiate Collective. Like, not the Augustinian Collective or any. I mean, it's just a cool thing to call it, I guess, for a little while. Yeah, yeah, so. no. <laughs> There's a campus ministry that, like, we've been, in terms of, like, media and like, yep. outreach stuff, we've been trying to imitate. Yep. Like, doctrinally, I don't know. But, sure. Uh, it's called the Collective. So, so, yep. so uh, last, uh, last idea before you leave. Um, the problems that you are facing today and you're trying to think about and think through, there are other people around the country who are trying to solve those same kind of problems. And there are probably a lot of people who figured them out, too. So whenever you have a question, if you see somebody, they have an idea, or you read something, call the people. Like, reach out to them, email them. If, if you know that there's a solution set out there and you are not pursuing the people who you think you have it, then it's foolishness on your part, right? Because you, you're going to pay so much dumb tax trying to figure out how to do that thing. Yeah. Like, senior exit, th that. I mean, you know what it's done to you guys and how you're already thinking through this kind of stuff because you're, you're doing the process well. Okay. All right. Well, I'm going to go ahead and pray this out. Thank you guys for your time. Thanks for joining me for this session. Father, thank you for college students and uh, what they are, their capabilities. Father, the blessings that they bring to us and the curses that they bring to us, the challenges that we have to, to navigate through. God, we thank you for the impact that it's had on us and people around us. Um, Lord, we know that colleges...
and universities were created for the pursuit of knowledge and wisdom. So ultimately, Lord, that means that those places are their compasses back to you, Father, that they are uh, their drivers back to you. So help us to view the campus not as a big party place or a place that's just super lost. And as, Lord, help us to view it as that strategic time where trajectories are changed. And let us leverage our time, our talents, our treasures, our resources to engage college students with the gospel and to call everybody that we know around us to do the same. Father, for your glory and for your kingdom in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right. Thank, Thank you guys so much. Any follow-up, feel free to email me. You guys, keep doing what you're doing. That's it for today's episode. Check out the sampler for Bobby Harrington's book with Alex Absalom called Discipleship That Fits. Download this for free at discipleship.org ebooks and look for Discipleship That Fits. Thanks for listening. Until next time. <laughs>